0: Welcome to the Let Me Be Free podcast. My name is Jackie, And my name is Alwyn. We're two sisters from Ireland living in Australia, navigating our healing journeys together, and this is our podcast, Let Me Be Free. We'll be interviewing everyone who's helped us to get us where we are today, whether that's therapists, loved ones, people from our Facebook group, Let Me Be Free, the wounded inner child, or people who we've never met, but have had huge impacts on our lives. Follow along with us on this journey, as we try to dissect what has really worked for us in the hopes that you too might be freed. Hi guys, before we jump into today's episode, just a friendly reminder that there are timestamps through this episode in the description so you can check if the topics we discuss today are comfortable for you to listen to.
1: So, welcome back to the Let Me Be Free podcast. Um today I'm going to have a another one of our group members, Roisin, and you know, this is kind of a slightly different interview in that I know Roisin very well at this point. Um, I don't know actually when she joined the group. She can let us know exactly when that was. But since Roisin um, joined the group, I just really, we hit it off. Like I think um she was just so honest and open and she contacted me. We ended up doing some work together. Um, but she's been just a gift. I've absolutely loved working with her. I actually count her now as one of my friends, which is such a beautiful thing. And I'm really hoping that she'll be a bit more of a feature on our podcast, um, because she's a bit like a, a sidekick to me. So I really wanted to use this um, opportunity to really chat to Roisin, get a bit of um, a background about her, because I, I really hope that you will hear a bit more from her uh, throughout the podcast and yeah like really just get a bit more into the reasons why Roshin started healing and I'm really looking forward to that myself because we talk about healing in the present but we generally have not talked about why she kind of started healing and and the purpose for it so I'll introduce you Roshin and then I'll read the post your first post that you ever posted on our group and then we go from there so welcome Roshin thank you very much delighted to be here so you, when did you start um, with us or did you, when did you join the group? Um, I think it was around January of last year. So roughly just a year ago.
2: Um, wow. I, this time last year, I came across, like, I still wonder how I actually found you to this day because I never, fo- I never followed Janet Lansbury. It was the most surreal thing. I was literally scrolling on my phone one day, and your interview with Janet Lansbury came up and I I read it or I listened to it, I can't remember which it was now, and it threw me into turmoil. <laughs> <laughs> I I was I can remember honestly, um just feeling on the one hand that I could relate to this more than anything that I'd ever read, but also that I rejected it so strongly as well because at that time looking back at that time I was completely in denial um but it, it touched something obviously that was there that was waiting to be I suppose um for me to look at so yeah, yeah and I I then joined your group because uh, I think there was a link at the bottom to join yeah. your group so I went on your group I was horrified. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Which is kind of similar to what the post says, essentially. So in that moment yeah. of horr- horrified, um, I'll actually read the post just so that yeah. you, can, you can get a bit of a real, like, uh, first-hand knowledge of what it is you were actually experiencing in that moment. Yeah. So what you said was, hey, everyone. So I'm new to this group and new to the concept of inner child healing, etc." At the moment, I feel a bit overwhelmed, and if I'm honest, depressed at the prospect of the next few weeks, months, years of my life. I respect everyone on here so, so much, I can't tell you, but when I read posts about how dark it is for you, how much pain you are in, how long, difficult, and slow this healing process seems to be, it frankly makes me feel scared, hopeless, and reluctant to even begin. And please, please don't take that the wrong way or as a critical comment at all. I totally get why people need to share and be heard and how healthy that is. But I suppose I'm just looking for some reassurance that I will cope with all this, some hope that I will survive it. I've recently become a single parent and that in itself frightens me and I'm scared it will all become too much. I have four children, three at home, and they need me to be strong, especially now. I've started inner child meditations and found them both heartbreaking, but also very, very positive almost as if this is what I have been needing so badly. But then I read, I read some books and hear about the long months and years of grief and pain ahead or read about how people are hurting so, so much and think, I can't do it. I suppose in some ways I'm scared I'll go back to my old coping mechanisms. And so I decided to share this post for accountability as much as anything, which was an incredibly brave post. Yeah.
2: I, yeah. And you know what? I can, I can, relate to that now because I still have so many moments like you know where I really feel all of that you know even to this day even despite all the work that I've done and working with you you know it's it's something that you know I'm 46 now so you know I would say for 45 years I have you know existed in a certain way and um it just it's it's huge it's huge to change those habits and thought patterns and behaviors and to actually look at yourself you know look at that part of you that's suffering you know i buried that
1: so 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 deep for so long and i think that's one of the really fascinating things i was thinking about before our interview today i was thinking about you and i was thinking you know how the fuck did she decide to do this like you know I know lots of people who have been in marriage breakups um, who have had massive catalysts for change and, and really deep traumatic experiences, which a divorce with that with, with four kids is very traumatic, you know? And I think none of them decided to do the inner work. Like none of them decided to open Pandora's box of pain and suffering and dive into it. And so I was like, what made her, what made her do it? Like what, what, Yeah, you found that podcast, which I'm absolutely shocked at. Like how on earth you found that podcast in the first place was divine intervention. But then why didn't you run? Why didn't you just hightail it out of there? I feel like I did for a
2: while. I mean, my honestly, looking back now, I didn't make a conscious decision to start this process. I didn't even make a conscious decision to leave my marriage, if I'm honest with you. I honestly feel as if it happened. Um. To me because that part of me that was just in so much pain and um, kind of took over in a way because even when I first I mean when I joined the group initially and, and sort of before that I had got so much I had been reading so much into this idea of healing your inner child but it was all like I've said this to you before it was all that kind of glamorous glossy like you know Essentially, I'll be honest, what I believed was, look, I've left my marriage. I'm on my own here with, you know, finances falling down around my years, um, not really knowing what the future holds, really, really terrified. And I bought into this idea that I could heal myself in about, I, I had set aside like a month that I was really going to do this work. And there was people that I was following on Facebook and things like that who you know that's how they sold it um, and I I've told you before like I paid for paid heart healing four-part heart healing programs that you're going to look at your inner child and you know you were going to do that for a short term you know very finite period of time and then you were going to be healed and I believe that so that was my mindset at the time was like right um so then I found your group at the, around the same time and it was very clear to me that that was not what you were, you know, you were kind of, um, putting forward as the path. It was very much, you know, this is a lifelong process. You know, you really do have to to look at this. You can't run away from it. It is going to be painful. Um, and, and I didn't at that point, my, my, I, I rejected it. Like I, um, you know, I thought, no, absolutely not. I love I loved everything that you wrote on that group everything that you wrote resonated with me on such a deep level but yet still I was like no and I didn't really engage I don't think for probably like the first six months um it it triggered me a lot you know every because I was thinking everything you wrote I was like this this girl is writing about me how does she know how I feel like how does she understand but on the same You know that then my ego or whatever was saying no you're not like that Roisin no 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 you you know you haven't been through what Alwyn's been through you haven't been through what these other people have been through you know almost like you're um a fake was how I felt and honestly I have to say it's only through me finally accepting through reading and reading and reading your posts that I have I have only really in the last few sort of weeks realized you know yeah I I I have a lot of trauma because I had buried that I'd buried that my whole entire life I'd never kind of been prepared to look at it I couldn't relate my childhood to what went on in my marriage I couldn't I couldn't marry up the two concepts that you know the fact that I was willing to live such a miserable existence which I had been for my whole entire adult life if I'm honest obviously there were loads of good things, you know, I've got four kids and I've got, you know, there's lots of positive things, but I was always, um, I always associated hugely from everything around me. Um, and I always felt that. So, but but I was never able to make the link with my childhood at all. I knew on a, you know, kind of conscious level that, yeah, my childhood was terrible. I knew that, you know, I knew that there was abuse and, you know, really, kind of extreme emotional neglect and you know that that um, I, I had always felt terrible is the only way I can describe it. I'd always felt terrible my whole life. But I my narrative that, you know, all my friends, my husband, everybody around me was, you know, you're really, really strong. You're you're the only one in your family that's that's normal. You know, my family have a history of extreme, you know, mental illness. Um um, my mom has chronic depression, and you know she was barely present, really, our whole childhood. And my dad um, was very, very ill. He had, um, you know, manic depression, and he he committed suicide. And there was lots of things that happened. So, but in my head, my whole life, and you know, as I say, that was my kind of storyline. Was, you know, it's amazing that I just came out of this so perfect and so normal. And look at me! I've got this brilliant job. I've got a husband. I've got Kids, I'm a good mom in my mind. I was a good mom, um, and you know I don't inflict, I don't inflict on my kids what was inflicted on me, and that was my way of, I suppose, keeping a lid on it all. Was like you know I I don't repeat these patterns. You know I'm healed, and I'm going to show everybody, you know, um. So, but inside I was just dying to be honest with you. And the problems in my marriage, I I didn't know where to begin to you know to assert myself and to assert my needs I didn't know what my needs were I didn't know how to just survive and I think essentially what happened was it all just crashed down around me and I I don't know I, I just feel as if I didn't have a choice I had to leave my marriage or I was going to die like I was part of me had already just died and you know I just it wasn't a brave decision it wasn't like a like powerful moment it was literally like I just I just I, I didn't want to leave my marriage but I just something took over I can't even describe it and it was the same with you know you I I, I always I always was like I don't want to join this woman's group I don't want to go through that I'd like what like this sounds horrific like no oh, Jesus and I was genuinely like so triggered I was actually offended I was actually annoyed with you <laughs> like, <laughs> I wanted I wanted the four-week program like, yeah I what is she like,
1: doing she's talking bullshit <laughs> yeah, yeah
2: fuming. I was fuming uh but yet at the same time it was a slow burner where eventually I you know I beca- I came to I suppose grow up a little bit if I'm honest and realize that life doesn't work like that you know um and it's not that scary and that's one of the things that you've taught me not to be afraid because I was so so afraid to, to go there. it scared me, it still scares me and it, it just breaks my heart to go there. So having to, you know having you just show me that it's okay, you know you will survive it. that's that's really I think what I needed. ultimately because I just was such a small, weak person that I had this front and that's how I coped but but yet it was more painful than anything I've done with you. What I was doing before was more painful
1: and that's a scary thing isn't it i think that this is one of the most scary things is that we're so afraid i have this um real i don't know what i would call it but i i don't i don't know if i heard it somewhere but it was the discomfort of staying the same has to be more uncomfortable than the discomfort of change because so many times it's actually the familiarity of the chaos the familiarity of that it's that we get so used to feeling miserable that we just think that that's our normal. That's okay. You know, it's it's normal to hate your do- job every day. It's normal to, you know, scream at your kids or hate your partner or be in a loveless marriage and just hang out for the drink at the weekend or hang out for the chocolate or hang out for whatever it is in the future that is going to make you happy. And I think that this is kind of the choice point I, or maybe not even a choice point really, but it is kind of, I feel like for so many of us, it's the discomfort of staying in the familiarity of the pain and the suffering has to become more uncomfortable than the discomfort of being like, fuck it, fine. I'll look at this stuff. I'll I'll deal with it. But not everyone does choose that. We can bury your head more. You could have chosen an addiction. You could have chosen a deeper addiction in order to stay in that marriage. And many people do. Many people do choose Rather than the discomfort of, even though they're so uncomfortable in the misery, and they're not really fully aware of the misery, they just think that that's normal. Well, then many people will just find another way to cope with the misery, add something to it, add an affair, add, you know, something else to to bring, take away some of that pain. And so, you know, I I recognize this so often in my life and in my healing, where I get to those choice points where it's like, you know, fuck, which is more painful, this experience right now that I'm feeling, or this possibility of it being easier? But it's still, it's the unknown. It's the unknown is so terrifying, even when we're in that state of just misery and sadness and pain, which. You know, as I say, I believe suffering, you know, people always talk about suffering and I'm like, you know, we've got suffering all wrong. People are like, oh, suffering is like when you don't have any food and when, you know, whatever really deep traumatic things are happening. But I believe suffering is any life where you are not able to experience joy, peace, contentment, harmony, you know, anger, sadness, grief all alongside, but where you're free from the fear of everyday life fear for of anxiety misery but so really in that way I believe all of us are suffering everyone is suffering and I believe that say the choice that you made was to say okay I know that this is fucking horrible and I'm terrified of where I'm gonna go but I'm gonna choose to try and do something about it which it really was such a brave decision I know you're saying that it wasn't really a decision but as I said you could have chosen to hide deeper go deeper into your pain by just covering it with something more shiny you know or more sinister you know cocaine anything there's there's many ways to 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 bury your pain but um but yeah like you know you chose that you chose to and I feel like once you chose that you know what I've really recognized and noticed with you and which is why I love you so much is I always love your honesty you have been from the get-go you've always been so honest with me like if you think if if I would say something to you and I'd be like you know Roisin like this is x y or z and you're like yeah Alwyn, my something in my mind's telling me that that's fucking bullshit Like, that doesn't work for me. That's not going to work for me. And I'm like, yes, I love it. Tell me what's in your mind. Tell me everything. But I always just commended and I always respect so deeply um, the people who really do the work. And it's why I've been so open and insistent and always working with you is because you always to me do the work even though you shame yourself for it and say that you don't it's all bullshit you really do do the work you're consistently showing up you're consistently trying to heal yourself really you've always been doing that from the get-go which is I believe why we were connected and why you know you were brought to the group because you were open to that you know yeah I mean, I do shame myself. Even
2: you saying that to me now, I'm like sitting here thinking, no, I, don't, I really, really don't. But one of the things that you've taught me that, again, there's so many things that I wasn't aware of, you know, before I started working with you was how much I shame myself. And, you know, actually, when you, re- you know, I wouldn't have said that I I did. But when you tune into that part of you that, you know, I judge everything I do so much you know and if I do do something well I find it really really hard to give myself credit for it. like that's definitely been one of the prevalent things with me is you know I I can never take um, any kind of credit for anything that I do but if I don't do something then all my focus goes on to that so even just trying to shift that perspective a little bit you know um, I'm not there yet with it but you know it's like everything else since I started this journey there's so many things you know when you spend 45 years of your life like um so disconnected from your needs I think that's the key one for me you know I didn't know who I was and that's how I was able to exist in uh you know the marriage that I had don't get me wrong there was lots and lots of you know my my husband is a good person, you know. I'll never say anything different. He is a good person. He has his own, like really, really deep trauma from childhood as well, that he he was never ultimately was never prepared to look at. But, um, you know. But I, all along, I said, you know, if he fixes himself, we we will be happy. Like if he goes and gets counselling, he had gambling addiction. So, my my mindset for twenty years was, when he gets help, we are going to be happy. I did not know that I was broken as well, I never, I didn't, I didn't have any understanding or knowledge of the way that I kind of showed up in the relationship. And it was only whenever my mom was, um, she was in hospital with chronic depression for about two years there, Um, going back to just before I actually found you. It was a few months before I found you she was in hospital and you know I've always had a very very toxic relationship with my mom because her depression you know I was always her care I was always her punch bag and um, so we've always had this really really difficult relationship and I had been liaison with her um, psychiatrist at the time and I had had quite bad I was very sick with COVID and I hadn't been able to go up and visit her and anyway cut a long story short the psychiatrist had said look would you come in for a chat just to we talk about your mom's care so I went in to meet with this girl um, and, you know, in the course of the meeting, we were having a conversation about, um, you know, my relationship with my mom, essentially. And I was saying, you know, when she starts treating me properly and when she fixes herself, me and her will be fine. You know, it was that same narrative that I had with my marriage. And that was my I believed that one million percent that all these people around me were broken. And if only they would sort themselves out, we could just move on and we could be happy and. So anyway, in the course of the conversation, she had said to me, you know, um, she would recommended that I go and do this thing called schema therapy. Um, and she'd literally just thrown it in there, you know, in a really, really nice way. And I, you know, took a wee note of it and went away. And she'd sent me a couple of people that she thought that I could work with, came away and started reading up on it. And I was absolutely horrified and offended. And this woman is actually saying that there's something wrong with me. Like, how dare she? Could she not see that it's my mom and that it's Paul? And so anyway, I, I went on ahead and I contacted the people. And, you know, but the more I read into it and they, they were they were all booked up at the time because it was COVID and they had waiting lists and backlogs. So one of the girls had come back to me and said, yeah, I can take you on as a client, but it'll be like three to six months from now. And she would sent me a reading list. And a lot of it was it was this book called Homecoming by John Bradshaw. Which was all about inner inner child he- healing and another book called the emotionally absent mother. So I got the books anyway, started to read them, and that's when it floored me. It literally, I was reading about myself, and I had to accept at that point that, you know, I was I was very very affected, you know, and that was the beginning, I suppose, of me unraveling this mm. this kind of um you know self image that. I had developed over the years, but it had also been given to me because I was always told, you know, I was always my mom's care. I was, you know, she would have drummed into me. You know, you don't have depression. You're lucky. You're the lucky one. You know, you need to be there for me. You need to, um, you know, uh, look after me, care for me, be my my punch bag, whatever. And I one million percent bought that. And then it was very much, you know, in our family, we were expected to, you know, go to university. We're expected to, you know, have a career and. know so on the surface from the outside looking in i had all this and i had achieved this despite everything so it was literally that was the beginning of this kind of okay now it's time for me to actually get to know me you know take all of this bullshit essentially out of the equation but that you know i know i knew in my heart that it wasn't true so um that was kind of the start of it and I was still married at that point and I was still with my husband I, um and I I honestly think that it was a drip 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 like slow process where you know I uh, eventually I came to the point where I was like see if I don't see if I don't um look at myself and start to try at least try to get better like you know I I don't want to be I don't want to be here anymore I don't actually I don't want to be alive because once you realize, you know, like you were saying that, you know, you don't have, you don't experience grief or anger, but you don't experience, you know, joy. You don't experience presence. I was never present with my kids. I, you know, I always felt this sense of extreme, like I don't belong anywhere. It's the only way I can describe it. And um, I was frantically trying to manage Paul, micromanage him. Instead of actually, you know, taking a step back and saying, what about me? Like, I actually matter. You know, I was really, really codependent, like chronically, I would say chronically codependent, you know, um, and yeah, it just it just kind of went from there. And I honestly feel like I was guided towards this group. Um, But it, it, it did take me a long time to, you know, really accept that. You know i i am i am um i am similar to all of these people on this group because honestly i you know it it takes you a long time to kind of let those those layers of um you know what the 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 mask that you are or the like the armor that you were to get you through the day you know and so yeah it's it's been it's been a really kind of Honestly, like as painful as it's been, like I've spent this last year, most days I just spend in tears and you know, but I have to say, this last year has been the best year that I've had because it's the year that I've actually but I've, I've started to, um, to understand myself and I know that I'm only at the beginning of that process, but it's just blown me away. like everything that I've learned. I've had so many moments where it's like, Jesus, I actually understand now why I show up the way I do in certain situations you know uh, why I have so much shame why I have so much guilt and it's been from working you know one to one with you has been a godsend to me I couldn't have I wouldn't have done it like I just wouldn't have done the work on my own I, I don't think anybody can if I'm totally honest yeah. you know I couldn't in a way.
1: yeah definitely but like you know I think I think that god to be honest there's just so much that you said there that like it does it makes me even emotional like it really does Because I'm so proud of you, Roisin. Like, I really am. Like, you know, I've seen you from the start. Like, I remember how how much self-loathing you had, how much self-hatred, how much you bet yourself up. And it was just your normal. It was just the way of life. And, you know, obviously as time has gone on, because of your dedication to your own healing to you showing up for yourself yeah of course you know I have been there with you and I've been a guide for you and yeah it's amazing to have a guide especially someone who believes in you is so important but you know it's up to the person to do the work and show up and and face themselves on such a deep level and you know I really just think about how much strength and courage it took to shift the yeah shift that magnifying glass of you know I'm looking out at everyone else who's fucking up my life um and turn that back in on ourselves because the reality is Roshin is you have every fucking reason to be angry at everyone around you that wasn't showing up because you know in in many ways, a lot of people did let you down. All of us, each of us are let down, you know, by our parents, by these people around us. And so, you know, we all have the right to be like, fuck you. It's your fault. You did this to me. This is your fucking problem. Like, fix yourself and adjust who you are around me. But it's just the problem is that just doesn't heal us. It doesn't fix. Even if your mom had a miraculous recovery overnight and decided to be really loving to you and be an amazing mother, the root of all of that pain and self-loathing and that, that belief system that you're nothing and that you're no one, that was ingrained in you. It didn't matter how much your mom would tell you that she loved you beyond that point, you would never have been able to ingest it. You would never have been able to take it in. The same way with Paul. You know, if he had turned around and, you know, been this, incredibly you know connected partner your inner child would have been like hey what's happening there's something there's something not right here this isn't safe I don't feel safe because this isn't this isn't what I'm used to and you would have found ways to sabotage it anyways everything has to start with the work that we do within ourselves no matter who is around us no matter what environment we're in and so often I do find that people will say you know Oh, well, it's, you know, my partner is the one that's fucked up. You know, especially if one of our partners has an addiction, it's easier to be like, well, they're the problem, you know, that they are yeah. the issue. Um, and I don't, it's because of their childhood, it's because of them. But in so, so often, and I was talking to someone about this recently, I believe that, you know, the partners that we attract, I believe that they have to be of the same vibration to us, which means that when I met my husband, Rob, you know. I always think, why did we come together? We we're, we weren't very much, you know, totally different backgrounds, everything. But now, me and him very much recognized that the reason why we were so attracted to each other was both of us felt the same brokenness inside. Yet, if you were to look at us and talk to us, you know, especially in later years as I started healing. I looked like this broken, wounded, you know, feral, like falling to pieces person. And everyone looked to him as being this strong. He's always been that way, strong and, you know, with no issues or no trauma and just happy. And only because he chose to do his own healing, which was because I essentially gave him an ultimatum. And I didn't do that from a place of, um, of, wanting to change him necessarily i did it from a place of i'm doing my own work and i know what i deserve and i deserve better than this and you are you are not facing your own trauma and until you if you can if you can't face your own trauma then we're not going to be able to stay together because i'm not going to remain your punching bag your emotional punching bag And so similar, so many men are like, you know, I don't have any trauma. I'm fine. I'm not going to get help. But it was because my husband, you know, I know that he, I was his everything. And so it it pushed him to the point where he was like, fuck, either I'm going to lose her or I have to face my shit, which is that for him, that tipping point of the discomfort of staying the same, you know, became more uncomfortable than the discomfort of trying to change. He couldn't um, cope with the idea of losing me and so that was enough of a push for him to you know work himself and do his own healing and it's as he does his own healing that we recognize we are just as broken as each other we've always been as broken as each other we've always been as hurt as broken-hearted as in pain as each other and I believe that you know no matter what we look like on the outside and no matter what we present as whether it will won- part of the the equation seems completely fine and well functioning I believe that at the root all of us have something to heal and we can only start by healing ourselves and I know that if I told my husband that I needed him to change he probably wouldn't have done it but it was the fact that I said no I don't like I want better for you yes but it's what I'm not willing to take I'm I'm deserve better than this um which took a lot for me to say but it's from me doing my own inner work and finding my own worth and finding my own voice and recognizing that i'm sick of living in a life where i come last and i really see yeah. that that was you you know you really have started to reconnect with those parts of you um and really yeah like dive into to all of that into that that healing
2: yeah <laughs> i mean definitely i I think in my experience and from what I've kind of went through the last year, when I started to, you know, get that knowledge and understanding of myself. And when I began to heal, I think I did quite a lot at the beginning. Like I think see that initial couple of months was such a steep learning curve for me and it fundamentally changed me. And it wasn't that I consciously decided that, you know, Um, I'm not willing to live like this it it actually was more that my energetically I rejected that existence and you know like I it wasn't premeditated I didn't choose I didn't plan to leave Paul I didn't have you know like a like it was it was so sudden and so you know but you know, um, we had separated before because of the gambling bouts and you know things had been so awful between us, and uh, that we had had temporary separations. But, um, you know, I was always going to go back because I always believed that I needed Paul. I needed him so desperately, as much as he needed me, and, you know, I couldn't exist without him. You know, from so many different reasons, like logically, and and those reasons are still there, like financially, practically. You know, we built a whole life together over decades. So, you know, it was absolutely terrifying for me to leave that. And it still is. I still have days now where, it, it you know, it just tears me apart. You know, that, you know, because we weren't together for a year. Like, we were together for our whole lives. And, you know, we've, we've four kids together. And it just breaks my heart. But at the same time, I think what you're saying is spot on. Like, when you, when you do this work, you know you can't go back mm. and I rejected that as well like I was actually quite angry I was like I want to go back so many days yeah. I just want to go back I just want you know I look at other people around me and you know albeit I know that you know you know people have opened up to me like friends and things like that since I've been um you know separated and they're like jeez you know what you know you're brave I sometimes I wish I could do that and I know that I, you know that Everybody has their own problems at the end of the day. But, um, you know, for me, I didn't want to make this choice. I didn't want to do it. But, you know, more and more now, I'm grateful for the process. I'm so, so grateful. Um, But ultimately, like, you know, what you said at the start there, you need somebody who believes in you. You need somebody who can see what you can't see, you know, um, because a lot of us didn't have that growing up. You know we were told you know you're crap essentially that's the message i got subtly and, and actually directly on you know so many occasions um that you do internalize that no matter whether you know you know you have i didn't know that i had un- internalized this message at all you know but uh i i did and somebody else saying that to you you know somebody who you trust um and when you first said that to me i was like no she doesn't know me see if she knew me she wouldn't be saying that to me you know um it's only really through building you know the relationship uh, that i have been able to sort of slightly slowly think maybe maybe my mom wasn't right that you know you know she would have told us very subtly like you know that you know really we're not we're not much like this you know we, we don't deserve anything we don't deserve you know to have you know you should never feel good about yourself like if I ever did well in exams my mom would have said you know well are you know are you sure that that's correct like do you want to get that checked again you know that and just think things like that just all the time just drip feeding that into you not deliberately but because that was how she felt about herself so she couldn't help but you know kind of that was just how my mom. that's her her mindset still is to this day like and um, everybody else is better than us and you know that's how we that's how we um you know kind of that's the belief system that I had and that's how we lived you know mm-hmm. so yeah uh, it's it's just such a roller coaster for, for me it's such a roller coaster like there's times whenever I fail, I'm stuck here like everything I've done with Alwyn has been nothing it's you know I go through phases where I'm just like you know, I'm going backwards, um, you know, I, but I, I now know, I understand that that's part of this as well. You know, it's, it's a journey and it's, um, you know, it's not kind of linear at all for me anyway.
1: You it's know, not linear know? for any of us. You know, I think that this is the sad part of it and it's, it's the hard part of it, but when you get acquainted with it, you, I guess, at least feel a bit more safe within it and more comfortable within it. I call it the tunnel. You know, I think that there's, you know, if you're going to go on a journey, you get in your car, you know, if you don't, if you don't know where you're going, if you don't put anything into the sat nav, if you're like, I just don't want to be fucking here, you know, that car will drive you off around in circles, you know, your subconscious will probably bring you to an ex's house who used to, you know, be abusive or wherever your subconscious felt comfortable, you know, that's where you'll go. But when you get into your car and you say, I'm sick of being here, I'm sick of being here in this moment with this misery, I want to be there, there where there's happiness and there's joy, where I'm living a better life. And you stick that into the sat-nav, you then are anchoring in, I am here, this is where I'm going. You drive that car. And like any journey, you're going to have times where the fucking wheel falls off and you have to stop and you're pissed off and it's hard and it's difficult you're going to have times where you see the most beautiful sights you know the most incredible clear moments where you're like this is living why did I stay back there for so long and then you're going to have times where you're going through the tunnel and when you go through that tunnel you lose reception you're in darkness you can't hear anything on the radio you can't hear anything on your phone all you're left with yourself. And the darkness and your thoughts and this long road through this dark tunnel and i believe that we need these tunnels because it nearly tests us to see how much we can surrender how much we can trust that eventually we'll come out the other side of the tunnel and you know what when you come out of a tunnel doesn't it seem much more brighter doesn't the world seem so much more brighter you come out of these tunnels and you can hear the music again. You can see the lights, you can see the sun, you can see the clouds and you appreciate it so much more because you survived the tunnel. And when we're on this journey, it is a consistent, you know, a consistent roadmap of beautiful sights, of obstacles that get in your way, of tunnels where things are dark, but always followed by such brightness and beauty and light and I believe more than you did the tunnel before every time we go through a tunnel we nearly um, we nearly build up that resilience because we're like shit I got through that tunnel okay I got through the last one I can get through this one but it's that when we are so unaware and this we're not really fully I guess trusting we don't feel safe on this journey we don't have anyone else to kind of guide us on it then when we get into a tunnel we're like I've gone backwards." I'm gone back into the depression. I'm gone back into the hole. Uh, nothing is better. Everything's worse because like any of us, when we're left with our own thoughts, you know, it can get really, really messy or yeah. we can get to that point of, you know what? This is just a tunnel. I'm in a point where things are a bit darker and it's a bit more chaotic and, and I know I'll get through it. And after it, I'm telling you, when I look ahead that, that that place that I'm going next is going to be even more beautiful more bright than the last place I've been but that's all about trusting and knowing that this is a journey and you you don't always know that you don't have that awareness until you start it and you get those intuitive hits you know like that that came to me when I was in my own tunnel and I was just meditating and I was journaling and and I had my guides or my inner voice or whatever um and it was just like, you're in a tunnel, Alwyn. It's okay. It's just a tunnel. And, you know, it's just dark, whatever, just trust. Soon you're going to be out and it's going to be light again. And that's, I think, what has been the greatest gift. And I think, honestly, for me working with you, I think my greatest gift was when you started telling me that you started hearing that inner voice, that inner wisdom within you, just giving you those little pockets. And I am I was like, oh, if if I could have anything for everyone in the world, It would be to have that trust and that connection within your own self that when you hear those little snippets of information, be it everything's going to be okay, or be it, you know, you're just struggling because you're feeling a bit abandoned or whatever it is. But it's when you hear those insights from within yourself and you build that trust up, it's like you feel safe. There's a bit more safety. There's a bit more, you know, open road, I guess.
2: Yeah yeah definitely um you know I
1: know you know thinking
2: back to times when I do you know I I was feeling really really good for a while I think we'd been working together maybe for like two or three months and I thought you know you know it was more positive than negative but then I think I had a period for a few weeks where I was just struggling and I was avoiding you
0: yeah
2: <laughs> <I remember> <laughs> there's no way she's not going to know that I'm I'm crap like and I'm not doing the work and you know um I'll be honest I felt so much worse than I've ever felt at that time you know and that's I think that's part of this as well is that you know previously in the past I would have looked at, to something external to me to tell me you know like you know I would have um covered it up um, you know I would have busied myself I, you know I had so many distractions all the time and you know I would have told myself but I think once you kind of start this you know you you, you have to be honest with yourself and you have to um I, I feel everything now so much more intensely I think I was quite shut off from my my own feelings before you know I ran away from them I, you know second that I felt that discomfort I was able to shut it down whereas now I can't And I was feeling like grief and shame, so extreme. And, you know, uh, I remember then just doing a session with you and, you know, you just turned the whole thing on its head and, you know, reframed. And, you know, it's very, very difficult for me to be able to see any positives in myself when I perceive myself as not being, you know, as not um, showing up and doing the work that I'm supposed to be doing. Um, if I feel you know exhaustion if I'm self-sabotaging you know behaviors it's very very difficult for me not to beat myself up and be so down on myself and you know I lose belief then and I lose hope and you know it's almost worse it's, it is it's definitely worse than before because you're like I was up my whole mindset was it's an absolute disgrace you know you know better than this like you've been working you know uh, you should be changing your habits you should be meditating you should be walking you should be eating healthy you should be going to the gym you should be you know showing up better because like you've spent a year now on this stuff like I was shaming myself so much more you know and then you know really I needed somebody to say to me it's actually okay like it's okay what you're what you're going through is normal and it's okay and I was like I was literally like a slap in the face when you said that to me I was like as like you know, she's she's you know she's wrong. She's just being nice, but you know, it's all part of the learning that you know it is okay. You are going to feel terrible. That's all part of this, and to be able to actually allow that, um, and to to hear that voice where I'm shaming myself, and to see it that that's actually not me, that that's something that I've learned, and to be able to kind of put some space between me and this part of me that you know thinks that I am a disgrace that I'm crap can't see anything positive that I've done but can really 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 see every little negative thing in such detail you know um it's just a gift like it's 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 a relief because I've never been able to do that before you know and you know I think the the other thing for me is that you know I never had any belief I still don't I still I'm I'm still early on in the process but you know for me like having belief that things can change and that there is there is hope and there is a possibility you know because like I think in one of our sessions one of the things that you really showed me and I I you showed it to me I knew it but I wasn't able to sort of you know make the connection or recognize it was that you know my belief system from childhood was that life is hard life is just shit and especially if you're a single parent and i had this this extreme fear because my mom you know <clears throat> she was a single parent and she was just miserable you know 24/7 severely depressed and you know i had adopted that belief system and i didn't believe that it would ever be different for me i, I, I and i didn't know that it, that that was how i subconsciously felt Um and that was a real like kind of light bulb moment where I thought you know what I do get to choose um it might not be easy and it might not come natural to me but you know there's people that have overcome more than this and you know I can reframe this yes it's it's going to be it's going to take commitment and dedication but I'm not my mom you know um and that see just honestly just having the awareness that that is that is your core belief yeah. you know i was so i was so unaware of that you know if anything i was screaming from the rooftops i'm different from my mom in every way
1: yeah. <laughs> and the that one thing profound part wasn't it that yeah. was the profound oh. part was holy fucking shit i'm just repeating the same patterns it's like in the attempt to not be your parents we turn in to our parents it's terrifying yeah but it was also just recognizing i remember that session so profoundly because you know it was such a powerful session and you had such a shit few weeks where you were avoiding me so it was so nice to be able to break that but uh, yeah it was such a powerful session because it wasn't the fact that you know you were your mom you realized that you were your mom it was the fact that you realized that you were recreating the same patterns of you know whatever feeling depressed or being a single mom but the reality was was you were actually doing the work you were doing so much more than your mom had ever even tried to do yet you were still painting yourself with the same brush with the same belief with the same narrative with the exact same voice that she implanted in your um psyche essentially that yeah life is shit you'll never have what you want and it was it was just so amazing and I always get so much from my sessions with other people and even for me it was so amazing for me because I was like holy shit I get to choose like I don't have to live the same life that my mother lived I don't have to you know for me it was very much that narrative of you know kids are selfish and they're horrible and they're a waste and just such a horrendous view of children. Like it was like, you know, they're greedy and they just take from you. And it it was this real visceral, horrific view of children that I internalized. And when I was with my kids, it was a part of me that wanted to love them. But her, that internalized voice of, you know, kids are horrible. They take from you. They're nothing. They're shit. I realized after that session, holy fucking shit. I am doing the same thing. Like I'm here. I am totally in a different place. I am not my mother. I've done so much work, yet that same narrative, that same voice, is playing in my head as if it's reality. So yeah, it was incredible. And then, yeah, no, definitely.
2: The thing is, I think that so many, most people don't even realise that. So I felt so privileged, you know. And I know it. It sounds like a basic thing, you know but I felt so privileged to be able to see it so clearly. You know, I felt that was such a massive moment for me because, um, you know, it's that idea, you know, you do get to choose because it's so painful. Like I would have had the exact same beliefs about kids. My mom would have drummed that into us, you know, that they are just leeches. And, you know, I never believed that on a conscious level, but subconsciously I did. I know that I still do because sometimes when I'm with my kids, I just feel like it's almost physically painful, yeah. you know, that, you know, why are they, why are they ruining my life? <laughs> like, mm. You know, cause my kids, as you know, like they're, they're very, you know, very, very, very full on their behaviors. And, you know, there's definitely, um, you know, generational trauma and that they, they've suffered like through this, there's no way that they couldn't have, you know, um, through everything that I've been, been through in the marriage breakup. So it, they're acting out as well you know so you had said to me that time I remember um you know what Roisin you get to choose so you can you can actually have fun with your kids and be light-hearted it doesn't always have to be you know a slog you know and I, it is it's like you're acting out the scene that you were taught and you know my mum used to always say all I want to do is get them to bed and I remember she used to put us to bed at like six o'clock it was bright outside and we could hear people playing in the street and she was like no no you are going go to bed and I definitely internalize that um because I there's you know my system doesn't relax until my kids are out of the room you know yeah. or, or, or at bed. and I'm like that's no way to live like that's not why I had them not you know to, to just you know try, wait for them to, to disappear out of my road so Yeah, it's, it's weird, but there's definitely that thing of, you know, I have always screamed it from the rooftops that I am, I am not like my mom in any way. And the worst thing that anybody could have ever said to me was you're like your mom.
1: And that's, but that's it. Like, you know, it's, that's the reality for me as well, though. Like, you know, my biggest fear is that I'll be my mom. And it seemed as if by trying so hard not to be her, I was becoming her trying so hard not to be angry. I suppressed all of my anger and I didn't allow myself to feel any anger until it burst out into an explosion. And I recognized exactly what she did. You know, she wouldn't allow herself to take care of her own needs. She wouldn't allow herself to be angry, to feel anything. And then she would explode like a raging, you know, psycho the same way that I did, you know? And so the same thing is, it was, recognizing for me I remember I remember thinking you know one day and I thought I don't want to be my mom so what did my mom need to do to be better what did she what do I need to do which is what she didn't do in reality and I really sat with that and I was like you know she never she never took care of her own needs you know she never put herself first She never had any passion. She never had any, she never took care of herself. She had so much trauma. She never did any healing, obviously. And yeah, she just, and so I recognize, you know, if I don't want to be my mom, I can't keep fucking spouting this crap that I don't want to be my mom and do all the same things that she's doing, which means reject that I even have needs. And so really just pausing and recognizing it's okay for me to have needs. And it's okay for me to take care of them and pause and stop. But the problem was, was that I internalized that narrative that having needs is selfish. All of us, so many of us did. You know, most of us that had any type of upbringing where there was um, emotional, physical, any type of neglect, really, or even just parents who weren't really emotionally available. So many of us adopted those beliefs that you know, it is not okay for me to have needs. I have to surrender all of who I am in order to be whoever my parent needs me to be. And so I recognize that, you know, I have only myself to blame if I don't start taking care of myself. And I, you know, my husband would be like, you know, Alwyn, what do you need? Go and take care of yourself. He would literally have to force me out the door, but I wouldn't do it like, you know, I would not go and do something for myself. And he was like, what is wrong with you? And I remember getting so angry with him when he would sit and watch TV or whatever. And like you, my nervous system was so hypervigilant. I couldn't sit still for two seconds. And I would be like, what the fuck's he doing? What does he think this is? You so were like <laughs> sitting down, sitting down on his ass. You know, he could be on the seat five minutes like and he could have been up all day. But all I focus on is the fact that he gets to sit down. And I remember I would have conversations. He's like, Oh, you can sit down too and I'm like no no I can't what are you what are you saying like what are, are you crazy is there something wrong with you like honestly I reckon most mother-in-laws would say don't take care of your own needs like most mother-in-laws oh, yeah. that I have yeah. ever encountered it's like if a woman if the woman takes yeah. care of her own needs or puts her own needs first it's like yeah yeah it's it's like what are, are you insane? Yeah, divorce that one, do you know? If- a million percent,
2: yeah. I, I would have had the exact same experience you would have, you know, that that was the worst thing you could have done. I remember with my eldest, or he's now 25. I remember when he was a baby, like I had him quite young and uh, my mother-in-law passed away um, about 10 years ago. But um, with my, you know, I was a young mummy and I hadn't a clue and my mom wasn't present at all. So I didn't have anybody to look to. Um, and my mom was really really ill at the time and I remember my mother-in-law who was a lovely person like well-meaning but I learned very early on in uh, my experience as being a mother that rushing you come last every single time and that would have been her um attitude to parenthood as well not the like not the men like the men can watch a football and do whatever they want and they get their dinner you don't eat until you know like every everything else is done it's definitely like bred into us. Um, I would actually get triggered, you know, by by people who, uh, you know, that this is how I know that it's so ingrained in me because people who, you know, say for example in work because I one a big part of my job is um is training. So we would we would be um imparting information, I suppose, on the the law to like senior managers and senior professionals, and you know, from the outside, I suppose looking in, it's quite a um, you know you, you are in a, a, a position of responsibility and you're taking on something that other people would probably find quite challenging but I could never and can never feel any sense of you know I, I, I it actually really grinds on me these people who take this kind of um you know sense of superiority almost I would say it like that you know you know like they think there's something special because they're standing up there, you know, because there are people in my work, you know, would have a very different approach to me, probably healthier, where they they actually know, you know what, I, I'm doing a good job here. And, you know, I I am, um, you know, uh, in a strong position where I can share this information. I'm confident enough to do it. People can ask me questions. That would really grate on me to the point that I know, like when something's triggering you like that, there's something not quite right there um I would be very you know um very down on myself very much like you know yeah okay so I might have done that presentation well but that doesn't mean nothing I can't take anything from that like otherwise to do that would be you know I would be a big-headed you know not very nice person yeah and I've definitely taken on that thing you know I look at them the people that I'm teaching as they know so much more than me like, and they don't they don't it's just ridiculous so yeah I, I definitely um I really really feel that um uh, both at work and at home you know even now like I said yeah I struggle with my teenage kids I struggle with asking them to do anything because I perceive that I should be the one that does all the skivvy that you know I and this is something that I never linked back to my upbringing either my my mom used to say to me you know Roisin you're going to burn yourself out you're going to run yourself into the ground like why can't you ask them and you know even working with coaches before I even met you like would have said to me right the job I want to give you for this week Roisin is to get the kids to do this each day and I'm telling you now I couldn't do it Mm -hmm. because there's just this part of me that's like you know they're they're more important than me they matter more than me and you know I should be the one that you know they didn't ask to have a younger sibling like my my youngest is six so he takes a lot of my time and energy and I work full-time as well so you know there's not very much left at the end of the day plus I don't have I never sleep very well so I'm always tired so there's always a big part of me that's like oh if only my daughter would do x for me in the evening and if only my son would do that you know like 40 minutes half an hour chore or whatever but because I feel so much, you know, that, you know, everybody else's time is more important than mine. Everybody else's, I want them to, you know, come in at the end of the day. And there's really, there's definitely a huge cultural thing now as well. Like when I look at other parents and other families and talk to other people, they're all, they're all, you know, um, the, their kids are not asked to do very much. So then there's this whole part of me that's like, I don't want my kids to be different just because I'm, I'm a single parent why should they have to suffer you know so yeah it's a huge thing with me it's something that you know I, I do find very challenging
1: to and overcome I think, you know, yeah do you know what I find with it as well which is really interesting is you know I remember the podcast or the episode I did with Isabel and she was talking about the you know looking for the validation from our children you know she was like I'm you know I don't need to have validation from my kids you know and I remember it really struck me because I recognized how much my worth came from the validation from my children, how happy or unhappy they were. And I think, you know, one of the things that I recognize is when you have teenage children and if you don't feel like you are worthy of existing, when you don't feel like you are worthy of love um, and of acceptance, you know, it's so often we would prefer to not ask them to do something because of the possibility of them saying no and us feeling completely rejected and worthless. And so it's easier for us to do everything ourselves and, you know, act as if, you know, oh, well, this is just it, it's fine, it's fine for me to do it, they're busy, rather than acknowledge the fact that, you know, we fear their, emotions we fear that they're going to have some type of reaction that is you know going to make us feel exactly what we feel in the first place trigger that point in us that feels worthless and shit and nothing and and the only reason I say it is because I definitely find it myself with my boys my boys are only young you know they're only three and five but I recognize that when they do something or if I ask them to do something and it's something that I know that they can do or if they've done something and messed something up and if I ask them to do something, if I'm holding boundaries and trying to ask them to do something, I find that I the amount of worthlessness that I feel, the amount of pain and sorrow and grief that I feel in my body when they say no, I take it not as a child saying, oh I don't want to do it I'm lazy I take it as a you know your shit you're nothing I don't have to do anything for you you're crap and so when I perceive it from that lens then I then get angry because my defense my reactivity then is well I'm just going to get angry then because I feel really hurt I feel really rejected it is it is hitting on the wound of of shame and pain within me and then I get angry with them so I stopped asking them to do something like my husband was like oh when you don't get them to do anything they have no responsibility they don't take care of anything they don't do anything and I recognize that I did that all in a way and in an attempt to stop this cycle of them not doing what I asked me feeling so worthless so rejected they don't give a fuck about me that's the voice inside my head when I stopped to listen to it I was like, holy shit, you are nasty. It was like, they don't give a shit about you. You're nothing. You're no one. They're laughing in your face. No one loves you. No one wants you. And then I'd get angry because of that voice. But in reality, if I was to look at this from a different lens, I'd say, hey, darling, you know, can you pick that up, please? And they'd say, no, I'm not going to do that. Or I don't want to do that. If I'm looking at it through the lens of I'm good enough as I am, I am worthy. I don't need them to validate me in order to be loved. I'll, I'd will i say, okay, sweetheart, but I'm not going to do it. And so we're not going to be able to go anywhere until we clean this up. So it's your choice. You can do it now or you can do it later, but I'm not going to be cleaning it up and we're not going anywhere, leaving the house until we do it, okay? So I'm just going to go do something else because yeah. I'm not tied into their needing and their love. You know, I... I know, Roshi. I know I had kids in order to fill the void that I'm not lovable. I know that's the only reason I had kids. I felt so worthless my whole entire life. I hated myself so much my whole entire life that I believed that I was sold this narrative. Kids love their parents no matter what. You know, kids love their parents and they dote on them. And I was painted this beautiful picture and I'll be the perfect parent and and I'll finally feel loved. And then I had kids in order to fulfill this need, this hole, this well that was within me. And they did the opposite. They cried. When I wanted sleep, they would cry. And I took it as a personal insult that they don't love me. Everything came back to the fact that I'm not good enough. I'm worthless and they're never going to love me. And it's such a painful place to be in. And so with you, you know, you're never going to be able to bridge that gap and have the kids show up and take responsibility until you yourself are able to meet the resistance, meet the voice within you that comes up and arcs and up like a fucking demon because these voices, they're so convincing, especially when yeah. we've not challenged them.
2: Oh, hundred percent.
1: Like I feel it
2: physically, I feel physically winded. You know, I would have this, especially with my 14 year old son. He's very he's He's extremely challenging. And I've had that, you know, just, well, it happens regularly, but you know, I will ask him to do something and he'll say no. And I will feel that like almost physically, I can feel it in my body, but Mm -hmm. I know as well, like, as you were talking there, you know, I, I looking back now, I can see that A big part of the reason why I stayed in my marriage for as long as I did was because I was able to protect my kids so much more from, you know, me when I was with Paul, because Paul and I, you know, we obviously we had, you know, loads and loads of difficulties and problems, but we ran the house so well together to the point that I was able to give my kids this beautiful life, you know, you know, I was able to, uh, I didn't, you know, there was two incomes coming in. So we had. A lot more money there was two you know Paul was very very hands-on like extremely for you know to the point that you know he was probably more hands-on than me because I had a, a more challenging career so he would have taken on more responsibility and my kids had a blessed life and I was I took looking back now like I took so much um, pride from that you know like you said it was you know I am I'm changing you know I'm I'm having these kids and these kids love me and they did, you know, they don't love this version of me. They don't like it, you know, because since I've been healing and since I've been coming to terms with this, you know, um, this last year, you know, allowing these emotions and allowing the pain, it spills out like you can. not And that's, that's one of the reasons why I was so resistant because I knew that was going to happen. Like, you know, I knew that I, you know, I said to you from the start, I can't cry in front of my kids. I will not subject them to that. And I think it was because I I was subjected to that so much from my mum that I did not want them to see me broken because I know what it did to me. But, you know, in saying that, my mum didn't deal with it the way that I do, you know, that I'm trying to anyway. But, you know, I I did not want my kids to see me struggle, you know, in any way. Like, he, and, and I think that's part of it now, you know, is that um, I feel so much shame that, how dare I put this onto them, you know, like, uh, I, I, I'm lucky that I can have open conversations with my daughter and she's kind of aware of, you know, the fact that I am like, I, I'll, I'll tell her some things, you know, I don't want to put very much on it cause she's only 16, but I will tell her that, you know, you know, I, I'm, I have a lot of um, pain sometimes and it spills out and I'm working on it and it will be okay. Like I promise you it'll be okay. And I can have open conversations with her whenever she does, because she does really, really trigger me at times. But my son who's 14, he's completely different. You know, and we've talked about him before, like he, he, um, he's just looking at me pleadingly, like begging me to be this person that he needs me to be, which is, you know, calm cool collected together and he wants he he just desperately needs me to be strong so I just feel that as like an extra layer almost on top like you know um you know it's all well and good for these other people that are healing they're not doing it in the spotlight of a teenager who will will criticize you even if you are like you know you've got your your like shit together they will still rip you apart you know that's what teenagers do but if you're like me you know there's a chance that the relationship will be ruptured and that, I suppose that's my fear you know I don't want him to look back and say you know Mom, you you um, were not there for me when I was 14 you were too busy you know so that's been a big part of it as well as coming to terms with that for me you know it's easier with younger kids because you can give them a cuddle you can say you know I was crying the other night just processing whatever it was I can't remember and I thought my six-year-old was asleep but he wasn't I because I always lie on the bed beside him until he falls asleep, just since the separation and things like that. But he sat up in the bed and he he literally came over to me and he was and he put his hand on my face and he was like, Mummy. And I was like, Oh geez, like, what am I doing? I thought he was asleep. And I said, I just automatically said, You know what, darling? Mummy's just sad, but everybody's sad, darling. Like you cry sometimes. I'm just having a wee cry here. And he was like, he was like, Oh, yeah, mommy, that's okay. I do cry, and you give me a cuddle, and he lay down and went back to sleep. And I was like, that's the difference between wee ones and teenagers, you know, because teenagers have got their own hormones on board and they're, you know, they're finding their wee way. I just, I just, I never wanted to put any of this on them. And uh, as I said, like, that's why I think I was so resistant to doing the work, I was so resistant to leaving Paul, because in my mind, I could package it all up much more nicely for them if I was still in that relationship and if I hadn't lifted the lid on all this, all my own stuff. But I just have to have that sense of belief that this work will benefit them one day,
1: you know, ultimately. And the thing is, is like, you know, I I can't say, I, I don't know the future. I can't tell the future. But I, I firmly believe it so deeply that your children will be so much better off even if you spend this year crying, even if you spent next year crying, it's not the falling apart. It's not really even about the healing. It's about the fact that you are taking responsibility for your own life, Roshi. You know, yeah. that is massive. Whether they're young or they're old, and whether they're aware of it or they're not aware of it, whether they're conscious to it or not conscious to it, you know? So many people, you know, they stay in marriages because they're like, I don't want to rupture the family. I don't want to I don't want to create that for my children. I don't want to hurt my children or I don't want to heal because I don't want them to see me fall apart. But the reality is, is kids see it, feel it all. You know, whether you think that you've got them all fooled, it's all bullshit. None of us have them fooled. They are absolute antennas into who we are what we are and they will just replicate it completely and so they are essentially replicating the generational trauma even if you weren't presenting with it but what you're doing is you're essentially breaking that cord you are breaking the cord to your generational trauma and come here you know there's no doubt that I'm sure that they'll probably have something to work on who's not going to have anything to work on but I believe that when a person takes responsibility for their own life for their own healing even if it takes 10 years 15 years 20 years I think that's more profound and more powerful for a child to experience and see than anything because it's the problem is not that you saw your mom struggle the problem was that she never took any responsibility for that struggle she never even communicated that she had feelings that she was experiencing anything to you she left you out in the dark she locked you out of her life she locked you out of her consciousness she you didn't barely even exist to her and you're not doing that yes of course you know you have the struggle it's not easy on you and it's not easy on the kids obviously because no one wants to see their mom fall apart but at the same time you know this is a journey and as you keep stepping forward you are healing you're mending some of those scars start to to wound or to to you know come together and I know it myself like you know I I obviously my mine are smaller but I know it myself from you know the experience that my boys have had with me they're just they are so much better off even though they had such a traumatic experience and a traumatic time with me, and it's been really hard. I still prefer that version of me to the dead version that they had beforehand. Um, and that's yep. ultimately, you know, my strongest message is that, you know, we think that we're protecting our kids by keeping the lid on things or by staying in marriages that don't make us happy, or staying in jobs that don't make us happy, or just you know, being there for the kids, so many mothers, that self-sacrificing, oh, but I put my kids first, you know, all we're teaching our children is the same generational wounding and patterns that, you know, they don't put themselves first, so yes, definitely, I'm sure that, you know, your teenagers, they will have their own path and their own stuff to do, but you know what I fucking know as well, they have one incredible mom, to guide their way, to be there as a loving presence. And I think, Roisin, I think anything's possible when you have someone that loves you, when that someone has actually turned the focus inwards and took responsibility for their own healing. I think that is just profound. And I know, and I think you could probably agree with me, you know, with our own parents, you know, they took no responsibility for anything that they inflicted upon us. But if they just chose to actually turn inwards and say, holy shit, you know, I'm so sorry that I made you suffer like that. I'm so sorry that that was all on me. Nothing, none of that was your fault. Everything that I said to you, I was saying to myself, yeah. even after the fact, 40 years later, that mm-hmm. would be profoundly healing for us. Yeah. So the fact that you are doing it when your kids are so young, even teenagers, you know, the fact that you're so open and honest and you're showing your vulnerabilities. And yes, you're not perfect. And yes, you're definitely not at the fucking end, wherever the end is. But I believe showing up is way more powerful for our children to see and to build that resilience. I think that they build so much resilience in walking along this journey with us, even if they're not fully consciously aware of it. I believe that they take it in by osmosis nearly, you know, just by being with us. So, yeah,
2: yeah no, I, I do. And I hold on to that, you know, and I, and I think the good thing, the gift about this whole process for me has been that there's just been these light bulb moments where, you know, it's almost like I'm, I am I am being guided to see, you, you know, every so often, like I do get lost in it. And there's times when you're in the middle of it, you know, and when you're going through the daily grind and you're feeling all these feelings of guilt and shame, it's very, very hard to hold on to that. But then all of a sudden something will happen out of the blue and it'll be like, hit me up the face. Like, you know, my daughter made a comment to me there a few weeks ago, uh, we were just chatting and, um, you know, she, she turned around and said something to me like, oh, it was awful. You know, the, the atmosphere was terrible when dad was here. And I was like, what? Because I genuinely thought we had it all. So like, we had this whole big like act going on and we never argued really. All the fighting happened way before those two, you know, Emir and Daniel were born. It was my eldest that really bore the brunt of it whenever we, you know, all the gambling came to light initially. But we had we had learned to live alongside each other with minimal conflict, I thought. But she essentially told me like, this wasn't a pleasant environment, you know. And it really shocked me um but she you know she was communicating in her own way you know yeah mom I know like I know it's awful now but it's better than it was before you know and just there's been so many times that I can't even think of some an example but where I have just had this day knowing this you know you're doing the best thing here you're doing the best thing yes it's it's hard like, there's days where I'm like, you know, this is too much. I just want to run away. I just actually want to run away. But then, then you know, you seem to go through those tunnels and then, you know, something amazing just happens out of the blue. And you're like, I know that happened because I did that work. If I hadn't done that work, I wouldn't have been able to do that, which led to that, you know. It's it's only when you're looking back sometimes that you can see um, how you're changing Cause you don't, you know, you. I think at the beginning I thought like when I, when I, my whole romantic idea was like, I'll do this four week program and the next thing you know, I'll be like the, you know, whole shiny new person. It it doesn't work like that. It's, it's very much like stuff that you don't even notice at the time, but you realize, you know what, I am showing up differently. I, you know, I I would never have done that a year ago the way I, I did it now, but there's also those really, really horrible, icky moments where, you know, I think when you're starting to like um, tune in to your own feelings a lot more, that's a lot of the work that I've been doing with you is, you know, trying to be able to identify what it is that I feel in a particular moment or what it is that I need. Um, and when this is something that you've never practiced your whole life, it can overwhelm you and you can become very, um, you know, just just completely overwhelmed and and struggle and being able to accept that is hard i i want to do it in secret i don't want to do it in my home around my kids but the reality is i don't have a choice so all i can do is just try to repair um and uh just just keep going just keep moving forward um because ultimately i do believe that i will be in a different place you know in five years time um we'll, and you'll
1: be alongside me we'll be doing retreats and everything <laughs> <laughs> bring it on <laughs> so you know I want to you know you're always so good um you know I, I really love that you're always able to ground this work in a way that I can't because I've, I've been doing this for quite a little bit of time and so I really love that you bring that to the table and so you know if there's yeah. For people who, whether they haven't started the work or they don't even know what the fuck to do, they're just lost. They know that they're not happy. You know, what would you say? Like, what advice would you have? What what, what would you say to people who are just knowing that this isn't what they want or they're just unhappy or they just know something's not right? But. They don't know what to do next. What would you recommend? I suppose the main thing I have to say, you know, is
2: um, go with your gut. I think, you know, I try to ignore my gut because we're all sold this kind of, you know, sexy, like version of healing. It's definitely a thing online where it's like, you don't have to do the work. You know, you really, really don't have to do it. You can cut corners you can take shortcuts and that's so appealing now because we all live in this like you know fast paced, you know we're all working we don't have the luxury of going off and you know I did not want if you'd have told me a year ago if you'd have spoke to me this time last year and said yeah you'll be sitting here next year your finances won't be any better because that was a big that was a big um kind of motivating factor for me was I believed that you know my my um wounding the way that it affected me was that i didn't believe i was worthy of being um in a strong you know being able to uh, have money being able to keep money being able to you know believe that i was worthy of that so i thought right if i do this healing for a couple of months then i you know things will start to look better for me in my reality that's what i believe but um i also kind of knew that it was too good to be true and I think that's the main thing I would say like go with your gut because you're the stuff that you know you posted as much as you know I I was resisting it I it, it hit me so deeply um that I knew that was what I needed to do there was no question in my mind I just didn't want to do it <laughs> so yeah I think you know, what's right for one person isn't right for everybody. There's all different kind of things out there. And I'm trying different things alongside the work that I'm doing with you. There's so many amazing like resources. So, you know, when I started, I literally like trawled your page and there was so much information there on like parts work and, um, you know, inner child healing meditations. And I was kind of just doing a wee bit of trial and error and, you know, figuring out what worked for me. So that to me, it's like, you will know when something resonates with you, you won't, you will, you'll feel it deep inside. And I always did. And, you know, for me, I think there was a link with you, with the kids and how I felt, you know, in parenthood. So, you know, one coach would be right for one person and another coach would be right for someone else. So find the person that you really resonate with. But for me as well, it was your personality as well. You know, I think we're, we're quite similar Um. And I always felt that I could trust you. I always felt that, you know, um, you didn't bullshit me ever, and you need that as well. But um, for me, the other thing I would say is, you know, I resisted. I didn't want to work with anybody at all. Like I really, really did not. Like I think it was maybe eight months into being part of your group that I, you know, eventually reached out to you and suggested working together because I didn't want. I did not want anybody to look at me and see how kind of broken i am and how you know i always i always put on a brave face and nobody else could see that you know i think if most people in my life knew that they, they, they just don't know like um any of this stuff really so um but but working one-to-one with somebody personally i think is a must like it i, I don't think you can do this on your own not in the initial stages, anyway you know I I couldn't have uh, I had read every single self-help book on this stuff and I had I had started all these programs and I think whenever you are um kind of in that place where you don't have any self-belief you don't have any you know you shame yourself I would have always found a way to to shame myself and say there's another program you've just started and you're crap so you've stopped it again after two weeks because you're just not thing and that was a pattern that kept repeating itself for like years before you know I got to this point so you literally need somebody who's going to like you by the throat and say no you're not you know you're not crap you're not all this um you know I I definitely think that those were the two main things for me it was following my gut instinct as to what you know who um I needed to work with and just keeping on checking in on a regular basis as well you know um with the group and with the posts and you know because i learn everything it's like drip 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 um you know over time but there's so many synchronicities as well like you know i find you post things at the exact moment that i'm feeling that and i'm like there's no way that this this can be right like (laughs) you know so you know it's just um yeah finding that finding that individual or that group or that person that you know really gets you and and that you can relate to and yeah initially working with somebody one-to-one and then going from there would be my my key things but you know go with your gut um and through time I have developed uh an ability to know what it is that I need as well um you know, and also to forgive yourself, As you know, when you do check out, because I do check out quite, you know, regularly, but I think that's part of it too, you need to, for your own sanity, otherwise you yeah. would just burn yourself. out.
1: And that's it, like, you know, I think so many of my clients, you know, they have that shame, and that, you know, it's like, oh, you know, I've just have not been doing anything, I haven't been doing the work, or I've been eating shit food constantly, and I'm like, of course you have, this work is fucking hard. You can't do this all the time. You can't be showing up like this all the time. Like the this work, like I was saying to someone before, it's the equivalent of running five marathons every day. You know, the amount that this the energy that this work takes to show up, it's it's beyond anything anyone could actually understand. It really is, until you do it. Um yeah. so it is, it's it is just um it. I think if, if nothing else, what I want to bring forward always is that no matter what it is that you're doing, one, like you said, trying to follow your gut. And if you have no idea what your gut is, or you can, you can't hear it, that's totally fine. Follow the breadcrumbs. Just like you said, those synchronicities, you know, if you see that podcast episode, and you're like, oh, something about that. I don't know why. I'm just going to listen to it. Then listen to it. And if you have a drive to contact someone, the voice in your head will say, don't do it, but do it. You know, like that's, you know, you were so brave to get in contact with me. You were extremely brave. And, you know, you were like, you were just kind of like, you know, I don't know if it's going to work out, or whatever. And I was like, no, perfect. Let's start work now. Because my intuitive guides We're like, once I got your message, I was like, yeah, we're starting work. I don't want to give a shit how, what way we're going to make it work. We'll make it work because I knew it. Like I had so, I had so connected to my own inner wisdom by that point that I knew when people were sent to me, you know, for whatever reason. And so I didn't give a shit about how we were going to make it happen. I just knew that we were going to make it happen because the bravery that it took for you to reach out, obviously I've been taking on -on one-on-one clients, but, but You know, I think following those breadcrumbs, you know, like if you keep on seeing that same, you know, book being recommended or, you know, a a psychiatrist or whatever, a psychologist or whoever that may be, or a group, even a group that's out there in person or a group that's online or sharing in a group, all of these things that put you outside your comfort zone, that put you more in the mix of healing is always going to bring you closer to where you want to go. And secondly, really releasing the shame, which is so obvious, you know how massive that is for me. You know, the shame around whether you're meditating or not meditating, whether you're doing the right thing or the wrong thing. There's no right, there's no wrong. You know, it's very much about following what you need to do in each and every moment. If you feel the call to contact someone, contact them. If they don't get back to you, that's fine. Maybe they'll get back to you in two months time. And that's exactly when you're meant to work with them. Not right now, but just really trying to ask for help saying, okay, I recognize I'm not where I want to be. I want to be happier. I want my life to be different. You know, if there's someone up there, if there's a universe or a God or a spirit, or if there's even just a part of me, please help me find the way. Just I'm open to it. And I promise that when you open up to it, things happen, things start shifting, things start changing. And I've noticed so much with you, like, you know, the more that you've opened up that connection, you know, the more synchronicities that happen and fall upon your lap. And these things, you can't, you can't make these things up. Like the same with the posts, you know, like connect in with these things. um, And don't shame yourself for not being where someone else is or not doing what someone else is doing you know, everyone yeah. else's journey, everyone's journey is so unique. Um, and it doesn't necessarily mean the more you do, the more healed you are, because sometimes the more you do, it's the more that you're trying to fix yourself. Whereas you could do yeah. some one thing, you could do one practice. And if you do that practice, well, that could bring you way further than the person who's doing a bit of everything, you know? And yeah. so there's no point in shaming yourself. Yeah, no,
2: I think since I've kind of, got better at that one of the things i've noticed is that i will naturally um i will naturally i've naturally changed my reactions i haven't f- tried to force it you know whenever we re- whenever i get you know whenever something really triggers me whenever i'm really fearful now i'm naturally saying you know what rushing it's going to be okay i trust that this is going to work out and you know not automatically going into that kind of you know that because I have developed so much belief over the last 12 months you know there's situations that I thought I wouldn't get through this year you know emotionally financially you know I I thought I would break you know and I haven't and that's one of the things that I would definitely say like you know overall be positive because it's actually a gift see see despite everything else, see being given the opportunity to get to know yourself. If you've had the kind of childhood that many people have, you know, um for whatever reason, you know, to be able to get this opportunity to, you know, um reparent yourself or whatever, whatever it is, and you know, allow those, those, allow yourself to feel that compassion for yourself and forgiveness. You know, I perceive myself so negatively before this you know if I didn't do things I you know I always beat myself up but now I have so much more compassion for myself that I I can see I know why I am like that because I've I've done all this work so like I if I was starting again I would I would approach this as a gift in a more positive way and I would I would also know you know what see no matter how painful it is it's worth it you know I, I would I would welcome that pain and that grief because you have to let that out like I've left so much of it out. There's still a lot there, and I know, like, you know, some days are just a slog, and I feel like I feel like I'm climbing a mountain. Some days uh, and carrying all this, but it, then there's other days where I feel lighter, and I know that it's because, you know, I did I did allow a lot of that, you know, that crap out of my system. I let I let some of it out, you know, dri- mm-hmm. you know, and it's. It's still a lot of it there, but, it, you know, it, it will take time. But overall, I'm just so, so, so grateful for this because I am a different person than I was a year ago. You know, other people might not see it. If you looked at my house and looked, you know, I thought it was all going to be external. Like, you know, I'm going to get this brilliant new job. and It just, it doesn't work like that. But I feel myself that I'm so privileged, you know, to have been able to learn from you and learn from
1: everybody else in the group. And I think that's one of the funniest things. Is that, you know, so often we think that these things are going to fix the external, you know, like, you know, my even physical appearance, like that was such a big thing for me. I really wanted to physically look different, you know, and um, and, you know, with regards house or a car, I've never been that materialistic. But there's so many of these things that we wish to change in order to make what's inside of us feel better. And we think that that's rich, that's gold. But when you do this work and you can connect to yourself in that way, there is no greater gift. There is no gold richer than that feeling of nearly coming home to yourself, you know, coming home to, you know, It's like, what's the point in in having a beautiful house if this house, your own self, is just filled with hatred and sadness and pain and doesn't fix anything. And, you know, I think even for my husband, like, you know, obviously he's been on this journey now with me for a bit of, quite a bit of the time. And I just see it in him. You know, he's just shifted so much dramatically about how he physically looks and what he needs in order, with regards what our house looks like or a car, he's like nothing matters. You know, nothing outside of us matters, because if you don't have that self compassion, that ability to have love for yourself, and it's that's the path and the journey. It, it takes a long time to have that that self love, that self acceptance, but as you get the trickle of those moments where you do feel it's like a sigh of relief that you know some of that pain has left you that's when you realize what real wealth is that's what you realize what what real power what real beauty is and you could look at the people with these mansions and with these perfect lives and smile at them and go no one's as rich as i am and that's honestly how i feel like i i believe that i am way more wealthier than most people on this planet because I don't fear what lives within me May yeah, I still do a bit I'm still on the journey but that ability to be with myself to to feel at home within myself um is just profound and the ability to receive love because you know my boys I was never able to love them I was never able to feel love but from them in the way yeah. that I do now. And and I, he, one of my little boys gave me a hug the last day and it just really just caught me again, this fact that for so long I couldn't feel that and to be able to feel that and feel their arms, feel the presence of their little arms around me, not thinking about everything else I needed to do or feeling so afraid of the anxiety within me, I was able to just be present and just love them in that moment. And I was like, fuck, we're getting this all wrong you know this yep. is the goal. this is success all the rest yep. is bullshit
2: yeah yeah no definitely um yeah i i agree i mean you can't accept love from anybody if you have this up. which i you yeah. know and it's it tipping away at that and you know being being free like you i said this to you before like i used to look at the title of your group and say like what is she talking about being free what is it? Like, I don't know what that means. Like, I, I'm definitely free. Like, I don't know what she's on about, but I, I understand that deeply now. It's like, you know, um, I need to be free because I put so many constraints on myself and it's letting go of those, you know, um, you know, being able to just relax. Like, that sounds so basic, but see when you can't do that and you've never been able to do that, like, that's painful. It is actually physically painful when you can never relax. And um, you know, uh just there's there's no point in anything else because you're not going to get any joy you know i've you know there's times in my life I've got good you know good jobs, good things have happened, but you take this with you wherever you go. it doesn't matter if you're in flipping you know Portugal on holidays, you still
1: take this pain with you wherever you go, and that that's the bottom line, yeah, and what's the point like you know it's there's no freedom if you are locked in a cage no matter where you go, you know? It's like, you just bring your chains with you. You bring your manacles and you're just chained to the next place. It's, it is, it's, I remember the same thing, you know, going on holidays and just dragging all of this pain and sorrow and sadness with me. And, you know, I'm very funny now. Like, I'm like, I don't want to go anywhere. I don't want to go on any holiday until I know that I am in a space where I can actually open up, enjoy it and feel free. And I definitely have experienced a lot more of that now, you know, with them going away with my friend, going out with my husband. And I was like, holy shit, like, this is what it feels like to be free. You know, just looking up at the trees and feeling the, the sun. And it's like, I've been in these moments so many times in my life but I haven't been present to them because I've been so locked in whatever trauma I was living. And yeah. I I honestly just stood in that moment going, if I only got to experience this one moment, it would all be worth it because it was that beautiful. You know, what's the yeah. point in getting to your deathbed and having survived, but never having actually having any moments of presence and joy and happiness, you know? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So thank you so much, Roisin. Like you know, as always, it's so amazing to chat. And hopefully, we'll be doing a lot more. We're going to be doing some questions and answers. We're hoping to do, aren't we? That's the yeah. one of the plans. So we're going to be looking at the group, getting people to maybe throw in some questions. Um, and you know, me and you are going to go through those together. Um, and yeah, just different things. I think we're just we'll play around with it, but you can be my little sidekick for um <laughs> for some of the podcasts fully yeah. into yeah. them. Um, uh, yeah, but yeah, I'm so grateful. Thank you so much for um recording this with me today. You're so busy. you've got lots on, so I really appreciate it. Oh, listen! It's my pleasure. Um,
2: I'm just delighted and grateful for the opportunity. Like I said to you before, and yeah, looking forward to doing the questions and answers because I know personally that's where I get so much value. You know.
0: Hmm. Okay. Love you lots. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for tuning in today, guys. All the links to the information we discussed in this episode will be in the show notes, including timestamps where we change topics. So if you wanna come back later and just listen to one section, you can. If you haven't done so already, please join our Facebook group, Let Me Be Free, The Wounded Inner Child, and post either anonymously or not what's going on for you in your world. We'd also be delighted if you would share this podcast or the Facebook group with one person who you think would benefit from the information. Be alone, Mahagaf. Have a beautiful day.